This was my sermon from September 20th, 2020, entitled Not Fair. I hope you enjoy it. This is Joshua Bell from The Kilt and the Cloth. We continue our discussion in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it's found in the Pew Bibles on page 20. Or you can follow along, right along with this screen. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner, who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to them. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received daily. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But it replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am so generous? So the last and the first, may God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. Now. This story is designed specifically to offend everyone that hears it. To the starchy uptights to the t-shirters. An employee draws from the pool of village temps, if you will, at nine in the morning. And then at noon. And then at three. And then once again near 5 p.m. I mean, that's cool. The guy needs as much help as he can get in his field, but here's the rub. Not long after that last group arrives, it's in time. And each group saunters up for their paycheck, and when the scrubs, I'm sorry, the newly arrived, get a full day's wage, you can imagine that eyebrows raising. If these slackers get full price, just think of what's ahead for the rest of us, who have worked in the heat of the day, fighting bugs and mosquitoes and all the nastiness of the day. But when they get up to every single one of the temps, get the same. The grumbling begins... And they threaten to call the Better Business Bureau and the ACLU. And Jesus cuts to the kingdom of heaven punchline and says, Are you seriously jealous because I am generous? Grace can be unprotected. The full scene out of which our lesson comes is from chapter 19, verses 16 to 20. It begins with the story of a rich man and ends with the parable of the clusters of vineyard work. There needs to be a distinction between the Matthaean literary context and the way that Jesus originally told it. For example, we know that in historical Jesus, it's it's short and sweet and straight to the... Jesus most likely had something to do with it. If it's an actual parable, not like this, because this is a story, right? It's not a parable. It's a, here's what's happening. Jesus might have said, but that last sentence, the last shall be first, first shall be last. We know uncategorically Jesus... Absolutely. Eugene Boring talks about that in Matthew's recasting, we hear it mostly as an allegory, and thus we identify with God, while in the original setting, the reader of the first and second century probably would have identified with that first group of workers, and therefore the story would have had its desired effect. 
So when I was preparing for this sermon, I, I was remembering my very first job. You guys remember your very first job? It's a lot different for us that are, say, over 35. My very first job was working with a guy by the name of Tony Ashmore in McAllister, Oklahoma. And uh, he, he was crazy. I mean, I just, I loved working for him. He was an interesting guy. He had 13 KFC franchises. And the funny thing about the 13 was is that this was in the time before they got the prepackaged chicken. So he had a chicken truck when they first started, and they would bring the chickens to the back of the KFC. I'm not making this. And there was a room in the back of the KFC that he owned that the chickens were taken care of, if you know what I'm saying. And I remember when I was 14 years old, I would go by his place all the time because he had the best Mexican restaurant in town called Pablo, which was right behind the KFC. And he bought it because his wife liked Mexican. And behind the Pablos was this big warehouse, and behind that was this lower-income housing that he managed that had a big pool in the middle. And you're going, Josh, what does this have to do? Well, I was 14 years old, and I was, frankly, I was the size now as I was back then. So we'll just say short and fluffy. And Tony Ashmore comes up to me and says, Preacher, is, is it okay if I talk to your son for a second? My dad had already had this conversation with him. Sure, go ahead. He says, Josh how would you like to make $50 in one day of work? I was 14 years old. I was like, uh, sign me up. He goes, okay, so I need you to be here at eight o'clock. So preacher, drop him off right here in front of the pool. Okay, cool. I'm like, I'm going to make $50. I'm going to work. I'm going to mow a lawn. <laughs> I'm going to maybe wash some windows. Maybe he'll let me be a waiter. He pulls up with this old wheat truck. And in the wheat truck, all the way to, from the bottom of the bed to the top of the bed were 80 pound bags of concrete. Josh? I would like for you to unload this truck and put the bags of concrete right here. And I need them to be stacked in such a way that I can get to them fairly easy. I'm 14. I'm invincible. So I start moving these 80 bags, 80 pound bags of concrete off the back of the truck, putting it on my shoulder. I'm making dollars. And I get about a third of the truck unloaded. It's about 10 o'clock in the morning. He comes up and I said, uh, Mr. Ashmore, sir. Is there any way I could have a, 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 like a bottle of water? He said, absolutely. There's a gas station just down the street, and they're really cheap, so go right ahead. Well, sir, I didn't bring any money. And he goes, okay, I'll see you later. And he leaves. And so I'm like, so I don't get any water? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to die. And it's, you know, it's now 10 o'clock in the morning, and I've only unloaded a third of the truck. And I'm thinking that he's not going to want me to do the whole truck, right? And then noon comes, and he brings me a bologna sandwich and a bottle of water and a little one of those small counters, right? No chips, nothing. Bologna sandwich. There wasn't anything on the bread, just bologna. So I sit down and eat my lunch, and about 30 minutes later, I get back because I'm still looking at the truck, and it's starting to get daunting to me. At about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I've gotten about half of the truck done, and I'm moving really slowly. All of a sudden, trucks pull up, and there's these guys that jump out of the and they just start grabbing bags of concrete and start putting it on there. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? Well, I'm, I'm not going to let them outdo me. And I start grabbing bags of concrete, and I start pulling them off. And at the end, all of a sudden, Tony pulls up at about 5 o'clock in his Ferrari Testarossa. Oh, yeah. It was red. It was, it was Miami Vice all over. I'm telling you, he had the music playing when he pulls up. He pulls out his wallet, and he pulls out brand new $50, and he pays each of us the $50. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, my gosh. All I had to do was show up at 3 o'clock. But at the end of the day, it really made sense to me because I didn't care because I got $50. And I was 14 years old. It was the greatest job I could ever have until the day he asked me to clean that swimming pool, bag of garbage and a shovel and said, don't scratch my lining for $50. You see, we get it in our mind that there's something about the wages that matter. 
I'm 14 years old. It's not like I was allowed to work legally. He was trying to be helpful. I mean, he knew that I was the oldest of six kids. He knew that I was going to work hard and I was going to do a good job. But it didn't matter to me at the end of the day because these guys show up and they worked just a little bit for the last two hours and made the same amount of money. As a 14-year-old, I thought, well, just not fair. You see, Jesus challenges this conversation with this. I don't know what those guys were doing between that and 3 o'clock, but Tony knew that we needed help, and he found more help. Now, let's be honest. If we had been a part of those first hired workers, and we bore back-breaking work in the sun all day long with no water and a bologna sandwich with not even mayonnaise on it, how would you have reacted to everyone with the same wage that came in that last hour? We would have been angry. We would have said the same thing. We would have said, this isn't fair. It's not right. I worked my whole life to get to this pew. My family's been sitting in this pew for 15 generations. It's our pew. How dare the newcomer walking into the building comes and sits in my pew. Oh, wait, I switched it on you. I'm sorry. There is no such thing as those that work harder, that there is some sort of pay raise, depending on what kind of role you have in the church. In the Christian church, Disciples of Christ... We live this out. It kind of freaks people out, honestly. I talk to my minister colleagues that are from other faith traditions, and they don't exactly know how to deal with me, which for lots of reasons, but the way that we do our leadership is the one that freaks them out a little. For those of you that don't know, the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, is we call a congregational polity. It's a congregational church. That means whatever the congregation feels called to is what we do. And so we have ministers that preach and teach, baptize, do funerals, weddings, and things of that nature, but... According to the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, we also believe the priesthood of all believers. Elders do the same thing. That I, it doesn't make me any better than them. So we work on the same plane. For us, it's very important that everyone, every single one of us in this congregation, all of you that are in the pews, all of you that are watching online, you recognize that we have been called to something bigger than ourselves. And God is a generous God and gives those moments. All of the profess that because I'm deemed minister of the church, doesn't make me any different than all of you. You see, Jesus is talking about this aha moment when he recognizes that the, the leader, the rich man, right, at the end of the story, he said, are you really jealous of me being generous? It's like Jesus asks, are you seriously saying that these people don't deserve the grace of God? One of the things that Jesus does here is, is he opens the dialogue that all those that draw breath are finally able to receive the kingdom of heaven. And this is frustrating to those that are listening. Think about the audience. All of these people in Galilee, they're mostly Jewish. There's some Christian wannabe things because this is designed after the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem. So all of a sudden you have this mixed smorgasbord of people and Jesus just gets done saying, yeah, God gives to them the same way that he does to these people at the end of the story. So those that have been sitting in the same pew for 15 generations, and those that just walked in the door, God loves. See, there's no equitable salary of heaven. God looked at all of those that draw breath as God's children and has deemed them worthy of grace and love, compassion. Woe be it to those that call ourselves Christians, because guess what? You are to extend that generosity. You're not supposed to play favorite. A reasonable daily wage is the same as the one that's been doing it for 50 It's the one that's for the last five seconds. No one gets the kingdom of heaven better than this. this is hard, complicated. It makes us uncomfortable. And thank God for that because God gives us the ability of that understanding of generosity that we never had before. We give because we've been given. To give to God. Not just our money, but yes, our money, absolutely. But our time, 
and our love and our compassion. Jesus opens this dialogue that says that all of us that are working in the name of God are deemed love. Name an agency that does that today in our world. Name a group of people that don't have some sort of prior commitment in order for you to join. God's generosity is given all of those professed, and it's absolute fair. No one deserves God more. Otherwise, why would Jesus say to love yourself? If one was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, mind, and soul, generous with that love. So our challenge in the world that we live in is we don't keep score or tabs on what we'll do and what they don't do. We keep tabs and score of those that we bring to Christ. This loving, generous, ultimately giving person even gave us the opportunity of our. We know all of these, the Father, Son, the Spirit.